You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today is uh, officially going to be the introduction into the 2020 NFL Draft. Now that the Super Bowl's over, it's draft season. Whether you like it or not, it is draft season. I'm assuming I'm not going to get as much pushback, because every I'm always gun-shy when I do draft stuff, because everybody flips out. But I feel like we should all be on the same page now that it's okay to talk about the draft. Most football fans, when there's other football going on and you talk about the draft, lose their minds. you got to understand, though, I'm just, now that we're in 2020 NFL draft season officially, I'm just now starting to look at the 2021 draft. Just so you know where we're at on this. So you and I are never going to be on sync with the draft. But anyways, um, today is just going to be an intro. I just um, updated my 2020 NFL draft big board. If you are a patron, you've seen that now. I started uploading the Excel spreadsheet so it's a little bit easier to read and interact with. You can sort the tables and do all that kind of fun stuff. Um, I added some stuff to it, by the way. A little sales pitch for you. You know I love my sales pitches. There are three... How many is it now? Let me look. 361 prospects. And by the way, when I say my big board, some people get sensitive about this too. It's not me and my rankings. I currently have 21 active big boards. Some of them are deactivated because it needs to be updated within the last 30 days. But 21 big boards within the last 30 days that have been updated across the web, aggregated into one board. So it is a consensus big board from guys like Mel Kuyper, McShay. I don't know. I've got like 30-ish, you know, all the Draft Network guys. Walter, pretty much anything you can think of that has a big board, I've got it. CBS's board, although I don't think theirs has been updating. It's weird. They're really early, but for some reason they're they're not getting their stuff together. But anyways, I also have just started added re- adding recently the, uh, you'll see a little plus and minus on the sheet. That is how much they've gone up or down the board. And I've also just recently this week added highs and lows. And I never can figure out which is the right way to say it, higher or lower. Because higher on the board you think better player but it's also a lower number, right? If you're number one compared to number five, five is a bigger number, but it's lower on the side. It's always very confusing, but you can probably figure it out when you see the bigger numbers and whatnot. But I just added that. So you can see, according to these 21 boards, what is the highest rank they have? What is the lowest rank? And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But if you want to see the full board, uh, you can go on Patreon. I'm not doing the tier stuff anymore. In other words, you have to be a five dollar donor or ten dollar donor to see it if you're a patron you're a patron and that's it i really appreciate the the extra amount uh several people are given more than a dollar and i do appreciate that it's just it's it's too much work to keep track of and everything else so a patron is a patron is a patron that might change at some point but for now i just i'm tired of tracking it all the time beyond that i fulfilled a promise i said i was going to do like five days ago i mentioned that (laughs) At the end of January, I was going to add a merch store discount code. I didn't, but I just did yesterday. So if you are a patron and you were planning on getting some merch or thinking about it or whatever, uh, I've got a 10% off discount code, so you can see it in there. So if you're only giving a buck and you were planning, or if you're planning on buying some merch, you're actually going to save money if you donate a dollar. So you might as well do that and then get the discount code and then go back and uh, buy some stuff. 
Also, Jeff, I, I guess I got to email you, man. I don't know what happened to you. Hope you're doing all right, man. We miss you. Got a t-shirt for you. So, anyways, um, again, the full board is on Patreon if you want to see it. Otherwise, we're going to start talking about it today. I would say how many we're going to do today, but I don't know. You probably know because the title says, but I, I, I don't know. We're, we're just going to go until uh, we can't go anymore and I have to go to work. I'm thinking top 50, but that's probably too ambitious. Probably maybe top 32, maybe top 25. I don't know. doesn't matter. Top 10 would be fine, too. Also got a couple little news and notes, so let's just say it's not top 50. Anyways, if you'd like to support the podcast, I mentioned Patreon, but make sure you're in the Facebook group. That's where the party happens. Make sure you're following the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star iTunes rating and review, it would be a great way if you're not looking to give money, and I completely understand. A free way to support would be a, to leave a rating and review. If you're not an Apple user and you don't want to download iTunes, uh, you can go to Stitcher and leave a review over there, completely free, hassle-free, don't need an account. If you don't want to do that, go subscribe on Spotify. How about that? I can't think of an, anything easier for you to do. I'm sorry. But I'm doing pretty well on Spotify, so let's, let's ramp that up. Go subscribe on Spotify. Thank you very much. Anyways, let's uh, let's take a break and uh, dive into some of this stuff. This spring, make sure you follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for the Cactus League spring training. Why? Because it's going to be lots of fun. Look, I this is, this is the easiest thing in the world because I'm trying to sell you on a vacation. Furthermore, I'm trying to sell you on a vacation that you don't even have to really super save up for. Get in your car and drive to Arizona. You know, do you know how cheap Airbnbs are? It's crazy. Get you a sweet little Airbnb, watch some baseball, cruise on over to a couple craft breweries, maybe maybe ditch the car and get an Uber home, depending on how hard you hit those breweries. I don't know what you're into. Maybe the next day you wake up and you go literally walk it off and you go hiking through some beautiful scenery. I don't, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. I'm just trying to think of all the stuff that I would do if I was there. Well, I wouldn't do the craft brewery thing, to be honest, but the hike would be nice. Either way, although there's plenty of time for you to make a decision, we are closing in on you needing to make a decision. So why don't you just go plan your spring training getaway right now at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So first and foremost, some pretty sad news in uh, Packers fandom land. Uh, Willie Wood actually passed away. Passed away at the age of 83 years old. Willie is one of the guys I uh, briefly got to, I don't know if I would even say meet, but I got his autograph when I was a, a kid. I think I've mentioned I used to volunteer at that um, Lombardi golf tournament when I was a kid, and so I got to see a lot of really, really cool people, and I distinctly remember Willie Wood. Obviously, I never got the opportunity to see him play. He stopped playing in 1971, but he was a lifelong Packer, played 12 seasons, all with the Green Bay Packers. 
from age 24 through age 35. He was selected to the Pro Bowl in 62, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, and 70. So 62, not 63, and then 64 through 70. And in 1970, he was 34 years old. 1971 was the first time since 1963 that he wasn't selected to the Pro Bowl, and it was his last year. He was also first-team All-Pro from 1964 through 1967, four years in a row. 1962 was his first Pro Bowl nod. He led the league in interceptions, for safeties, that is. He had nine interceptions that year. Nine interceptions, 132 yards. In fact, starting in 1961, which he started in 1960 just as a punt returner. 1961, he played punt returner slash safety. That first year, five picks. In order, five, nine, five, three, six, three, four, two, three, seven, and then his last year he had one interception. He's like, you know what, I'm 35, I only got one interception, I should probably hang it up. For reference, Darnell Savage in his rookie year had two picks. And I'm not trashing Darnell Savage, I'm just saying. These are silly numbers. He also was over 100 interception yards twice. He did it also in 1970 at age 34 with seven interceptions, 110 yards. He also forced six fumbles, had 16 fumble recoveries. Over the course of 166 games, he started 150 of them. So absolute Packers legend. He was Leroy Butler before Leroy Butler was Leroy Butler. And no disrespect to Leroy Butler. Willie Wood was a better version of Leroy Butler. And you can talk about, well, that was a different era, whatever. Compare the stats side by side. I mean, again, no disrespect, very similar. If you're looking for a comp, it's Leroy Butler. But, dude, these numbers are just ridiculous. And if you're wondering, yes, he is in the Hall of Fame. He was put in the Hall of Fame a long time ago, and rightly so. Unbelievable safety. Um, Some other somewhat interesting news. Apparently, the Falcons are not going to be re-signing Vic Beasley. I doubt we're going to be picking him up, but just... Throwing it out there for your information. I know, you know, I'm all about letting y'all make your own decisions. If you want another pass rusher, who knows? I always thought Vic Beasley and D. Ford were very similar. Both first-round guys, super hyped up, super under, you know, just can't quite get the job done. D. Ford kind of broke out, and he did it with the guy that is now our outside linebacker coach. So if we didn't already have a plurality of guys and a ton of money locked into this, I'd probably be saying Beasley's an option, but I kind of feel like we should spend resources elsewhere. But again, just letting you know. Also, rumor has it, the Lions are looking to possibly dump Darius Slay. I don't know what it is about that team wanting to self-sabotage. I don't. I have been one of the biggest Slay critics, and, and by that I mean I've been saying pretty consistently that he's overhyped. Very good, but not as good as everybody makes him out to be. But this is, this is dumb. You already got rid of a safety that's very, very good. Now you're going to get rid of your one good corner? I, I understand you got to manage the salary cap, but you guys are doing pretty well with the salary cap. You're fine. And at the end of the day, you got to pay somebody. That's, that's the thing. I, I understand the, the Ted Thompson mentality of you don't want to overspend, but sometimes it's okay to overspend. It's okay to do it. You're never going to have a good team if you're not overpaying somebody. Granted, you're already overpaying Stafford, but, I mean, again, that's, that's what you do. And he's not going to be around for much longer, so you might as well overpay a corner. Unless you just really, I mean, maybe they're even lower on Slay than I, I don't mind. As somebody that thinks Darius Slay is overhyped, I would be willing to pay Darius Slay, because what else are we going to do with this money? We don't have talent anywhere on this team. So sign Kenny Galladay, give him all the money, that's fine, no big deal, but you can still pay Slay. 
I just, I don't get it, man. I don't know. I don't think they know what they're doing. I'm just saying I don't know what they're doing. By the way, the, the full report is that the Lions may extend or trade Darius Slay, which is pretty much a nothing statement because, d- duh. But it's it's the trade thing that stands out, right? It's like if somebody said the Packers may extend or trade Kenny Clark. It's it's not the extend part that's going to get our attention. But anyways, I, I would assume they're going to extend him because I, I don't know. Why would you get rid of Darius Slay? He's only 29. I mean, if he was 32, maybe I'd get it. Like, look, he's still good, but trying to get ahead of this whole he's about to fall off a cliff and I'm not going to pay him thing. Whatever. I hope they trade him. Trade him to the the Jets. Get him out of here. I don't care. Go away. But finally, uh, there were the early Super Bowl odds were released. Also, some relatively flattering um, power rankings from ESPN. Basically, they just went in reverse of where the, the Super Bowl order, you know. The Chiefs are the best, and then the 49ers, and then the Ravens, and then, you know, it's kind of lazy stuff. But anyway, Super Bowl odds I care a little bit more about because it's, again, these are multi-billion dollar operations who want to protect their billions of dollars and so they're going to come up with pretty good numbers and so these things i find interesting for example 49ers number one not surprising chiefs number two ravens number three then it gets interesting with the chargers which is something that you gotta wonder about especially with the turmoil like quarterback because if they're not going to have rivers you could see that as a positive well then they're going to draft a quarterback and then they maybe they're going to be much better which i think undervalues rivers and also overvalues whoever this rookie is coming in or whoever you know maybe if you knew brady was coming but i don't know what you're talking about then the cowboys which is interesting then the packers then the patriots then the saints then the steelers either way next year is going to be really interesting if for no other reason we don't know if the patriots are even going to be contenders this could be the the year in which the patriots go from first to last I know it's it's all about their defense and everything, but if, if Tom Brady legitimately leaves, then we don't know what their defense is going to be next year. I mean, it's, it's going to be a good defense, but no telling that it's going to be that good. We just, we just, I don't know. That's one of the things that's great about uh, the NFL is how wildly things change. And we, we always seem to forget that, right? If, if anybody at this time makes wild proclamations about next year, right? If somebody were to say, I think the 49ers are going to fall off, everybody would lose it. Like, no chance. Why? I mean, I don't believe that. I think the 49ers are going to be very good next year. But haven't we watched football long enough to know that stuff is really volatile? But anyways, Packers right now 16-1 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl. So there's that. So anyways, let's just start running through it. For most of you, this is not going to be all that su- Well, I shouldn't say that. This might start getting surprising starting at n- number three. But the top guy in the draft right now is Chase Young. A lot of people are going to say, no, it's Joe Burrow. Listen, you go make your own big board, but I'm telling you, Pretty unanimously, it's Chase Young. There are some boards that have Joe Burrow ahead, but it's, I mean, it's really, on average, Chase Young is being ranked 1.1, which is to say he's basically number one in just about every board. Now, Joe Burrow is the only other guy who is ranked number one on some boards, but Chase Young's lowest rank, or highest rank, however you want to look at it, I'm going to call it lowest because it sounds like a worse thing, is number two. Joe Burrow's lowest rank is 14th. So pretty unanimously, with a few exceptions, it's Chase Young, then Joe Burrow. On maybe one or two boards, it's Joe Burrow, then Chase Young. But after that is when it gets interesting. And and by the way, this has been the case for a while. There's no change in these rankings. Chase Young, then Joe Burrow has been a thing for a while. After that, however, one guy that has been consistently climbing a lot. I mean, a lot. He wasn't even the top in his position a couple months ago. But it's um, Ohio State corner Jeff Okuda. So again, I said I should be more specific because not everybody knows all this stuff. So 
Chase Young is an edge rusher out of Ohio State. I wouldn't say it's a consensus, but the thought is he's actually probably going to be better than Nick Bosa, and we see how good he is. Now, different kind of a player. There's some thought that maybe he's not going to be as good against the run. He has some weaknesses that the, the we'll just say the Bosa's, because they're basically the same guy, uh, didn't have. But again, consensus on the things that matter, which is pass rushing. Chase Young is possibly even better. But regardless of better or the same or even slightly worse, the guy's a freak. Joe Burrow is a quarterback that was not even considered. He was not on anybody's radar until he completely went off this year. Absolute phenom of a quarterback. The clear consensus, number one, it was supposed to be Tua all the way. Um, but basically, Joe Burrow is going number one overall. That's pretty well locked up to the Cincinnati Bengals. Number two should be Chase Young. There's very little doubt about either of those two things. But again, number three is where it starts to get a little bit... Um, little bit interesting. Now, this is just the board. This isn't saying he's going to go number three. This is just ranked in terms of who's the best player. It's cornerback out of Ohio State, Jeffrey Okuda. He's moved up one spot since my last ranking, but again, he was not even considered top corner for a very long time. Christian Fulton, um, who hasn't really moved much. He's at about 17. He is 17th on my board right now. He's been at about 17 pretty much this whole time, and Jeff Okuda was not ahead of him. So he had to work his way up into the first round, then becoming sort of the number one, then now working his way up to the number three overall prospect. He's not going to go any higher than that, but that's that's really impressive. Uh, his highest rank actually is number two. I didn't send myself the whole board, so I can't look into the specifics of in terms of which board that is. I wish I had that, but I don't. But his lowest rank is 10th. There are only some that are consensus top 10. Jeff Okuda is one of them, and as I said, Joe Burrow is not. He is not a consensus top 10. Uh, one of the the things that's going to make him go real high is that he's not just a great corner. He's a great man corner. And these guys are extremely valuable. Because some guys are very good if they're zone corners, but those guys are also less valuable because there's more of them. Right? There's, there's a lot of guys that you can put them in a zone and they can be productive. But the guys that can go man-to-man and lock somebody down, those are the guys that are really, really impressive. Those are the guys that teams pay a premium for. And so that is what Jeff Okuda is. Uh, Joe Marino at the Draft Network uh, compared him to Jalen Ramsey. And by the way, he's not bad in zone. It's just the fact that he's a very, very good man corner. That's going to really possibly make him go number three overall. And so I guess what we can say is if they do move on from Darius Slay, it's because the Lions have pretty much made up their decision that they're going Jeff Okuda. It doesn't have to be that way, but they know they got the number three spot. And they know Joe Burrow and Chase Young are going number one and two. So they have basically the, their own, they, they get to pick. It's, the, it's up to them. It, it's a weird position to be in at number three, to kind of be able to pick whoever you want, minus two guys. But that's basically the position that they're in right now. Now, again, if it's me, I'm keeping Slay and bringing in Okuda and let Slay be my number two. But, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not the lion. And I don't know that I would draft Slay, but if I was big on, on Okuda, excuse me, draft Okuda, I would still keep Slay, but whatever. After that, at number four, we got Derek Brown. Derek Brown is just an athletic freak defensive line. There's always going to be one. Last year, it was Quinn and Williams, right? Just a, a, an absolute freakish guy, raw power, just bigger and stronger and faster than everybody along that offensive line, dominant against the run, really good as a pass rusher. Marino compared him to Marcel Darius, who is kind of who I talked about, I think, yesterday or the day before as a, you know, he went, what did I say, number three overall several years ago. Now, the, the, I think the biggest difference, and maybe I'm wrong, is that Marcel Darius has not been a very good pass rusher, and even uh, Marino, who did this comp, 
complements his ability as a pass rusher. But just a, a raw power 6'5", 318 wrecking ball. So he'll go early. He'll go top 10. I don't know exactly where. Probably top 5, but stuff happens with quarterbacks and could easily fall out of the top 5, but easily worth a top 5 pick. By the way, his highest rank is number 2. His lowest is 12, so he's not quite consensus top 10, but he's moved up two spots since my last um, my last big board update. Fifth on this list is Tua Tungovailoa, quarterback out of Alabama. His average rank is 5.5. So right at about where he's at. At the highest, he's ranked third. At his lowest, though, they have him 20th, which is why some people talk about him potentially sliding. Obviously, that is, I mean, at least somebody sees that happening. They have him at 20th. But either way, the odds of him making it to 30 is very, very unlikely. And then you add in the fact that he's a quarterback, it's unlikely he even makes it to 20. Because even if he's valued at the 20th overall, being a quarterback means he's probably not going to make it past 12-ish before either the 12 takes him or somebody trades up to get him. But uh, Tua, very, very dominant quarterback, dual threat kind of guy. Biggest question marks for Tua, though, number one is an injury. Not that that's going to mean a ton because people don't care. He's a quarterback, so what? Let him sit if he needs to. If not, play him. Not worried about injuries. But number two is the fact that Alabama has, like, the best stable of wide receivers that a team has had ever-ish. And we're going to be mentioning a lot of their wide receivers at one point or another. In fact, two of their wide receivers I have in my top 15, so it should be by the end of today. So there's just question about, okay, we take away all these receivers, we take you out of this dominant Alabama program, and we stash you with the Miami Dolphins, where you don't really have an offensive line, and you don't have a running game, and you don't, you aren't the most dominant team in football, and you don't have elite weapons, and you're coming off an injury what are you going to be able to do for the Miami Dolphins? Or is this going to be a Josh Rosen situation all over again where you get thrust into this thing, you get annihilated, and everything just kind of falls apart? So that would be the biggest knocks on Tua. But for the most part, he's pretty consensus top tier again. He was expected to be the number one overall pick for a very long time until Joe Burrow just kind of took over. At number six, another guy that has been flying up the boards very, very rapidly. He's probably one of the most talked about guys outside of you know Joe Burrow, Chase Young. But it's, I don't even know what position to call him, Isaiah Simmons. Traditionally called linebacker, although the majority of his snaps actually came in the slot. So he's considered a linebacker, also considered a safety, but spent most of his time playing in the slot. He does everything. And I'll be honest, Isaiah Simmons makes me nervous. Because I feel like Isaiah Simmons is the kind of guy that is good at a lot of things. But I don't know for sure that he is the most elite player at any one position. Is he, if you just just make him a linebacker, is he the best linebacker out there? I, maybe. A lot of people would probably make that. I, I don't know. He makes me nervous, man. But I'm apparently alone in that. Everybody loves Isaiah Simmons. And it's not the traditional thing that where I'm talking about, well, he's he's not going to hack it because you don't take linebacker. No, because he's different. This is a different kind of deal with Isaiah Simmons. He's going to be playing a lot of safety. He's going to be playing probably as a linebacker, almost like a box safety. He's going to be lining up at corner. He's almost going to be a, more comparable to what Derwin James is than to what, for example, Devin White was last year. So, uh, you know, the, the question is, can he handle that? But anyways, linebacker, safety, corner out of Clemson. He's moved up two spots. He continues to climb up the rankings. Everybody seems to just be gushing over him. He is, even as a supposed linebacker, a consensus top 10. Lowest ranking is 10th. Highest is 3rd. So very, very, very liked guy. And I, I, I got to watch a little more of him. The one thing I like is that he's just one of those raw power guys. He doesn't look, he looks really long and lanky, and he is. But you watch what happens when he interacts with another body, 
and he just kind of runs through people. He's got a, he, he's just one of those, he's kind of like a big brother guy is, is one of the terms I like to use. You know when you play games with your older brother if you had one? How they're just a lot stronger than you are? That's kind of what he looks like. He's just taller and longer, and when he goes to hit somebody, they just, they go down. But he also just kind of seems wild, you know what I mean? Like not very refined, and he, he's just out there kind of making plays because he's bigger and faster than stronger than, than everyone else is. So I, I don't know. It just, like I said, it makes me nervous. One of the guys that is falling very, very hard is Jerry Judy. And this tends to happen all the time. He is number seven on the board. He's dropped four spots since my last update. Wide receiver out of Alabama. There's always a wide receiver that is the most elite thing we've ever seen. It's the most crazy thing. He's da, da, da. And eventually, like with linebacker, I, I've said, there's going to be a Luke Keekley that comes along that, you know, is going to prove to be a great pick. And there's going to be another, you know, Julio Jones one of these days. There's going to be another Odell Beckham one of these days. And if it's this year, it wouldn't actually be all that surprising. But again, every year I get wrapped up in this. Every year I get excited about the Calvin Ridleys and all these guys that are easily top. Christian Kirk. We've never seen anything like Christian Kirk. Top 10 wide receiver, best in a decade. This is the stuff that gets talked about. Now, Jerry Judy is probably hyped a lot more than those guys were. But I'm just saying, every time I hear in like April about this wide receiver that we've never seen before. Eh. Now, Jerry Judy has survived a lot of that, but he is not even the consensus number one wide receiver anymore. A lot of people like C.D. Lamb a lot more than he, a lot more than him. There are other people that like other wide receivers. But anyways, Jerry Judy so far is still one spot ahead of C.D. Lamb, spoiler alert, after dropping four spots. Um, his highest rank is third, his lowest is 11th, average rank is seven, which is right where he's at. Which, by the way, no, those two things don't always line up. So it's not a duh situation you'll see in a minute. But Jerry Judy's just kind of a do-everything guy. One of the best attributes about him is his route running. Super clean. I mean, especially off the line. There's there's videos of him on Twitter. People are cut about try, people trying to jam him up in the line and just whiffing. Because he's that elusive off the line. So just, he's fast. He's crisp. He's just, he's very, very impressive with what he can do with his feet. I really like Jerry Judy. I don't know if I would want to spend a top 10 pick on Jerry Judy when you have so many talented wide receivers. But, you know, if you really need one, I I, I personally don't think he's going to go top 10, especially when you see him falling this hard and you start hearing people talk about rather having C.D. Lamb and this and that and the other. But I think somebody's going to get him around 10-ish, and I think somebody's going to be very happy that they got him. At number eight, as I said, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. C.D. Lamb is just a very, very talented receiver, right? When, when you're looking at a guy that maybe isn't going to blow you away, and he's he's relatively athletic, but he's not Henry Ruggs. You know, he's not a guy that's going to run a 4-2 or a 4-3-40, probably, but just great route runner, unbelievable hand. That's what he's most known for, his ability to win contested catches. Six foot two, 189, great run after the, the catch ability. Again, he's not necessarily a straight speedster, but what I've been talking about that I'd like to see the Packers get is just a great wide receiver, and that's what C.D. Lamb is. At number nine, another guy that was falling, which really surprises me because of how much everybody's, uh, you know, just beaming over how great this guy is and one of the best I've seen in a decade and all that stuff, but Andrew Thomas, left tackle out of Georgia, dropped two spots on my board. He is ranked as high as four, but he's as low as 29, so there's obviously a lot of volatility and not a lot of consensus. This is an example of a guy who's ninth on my board, but on on average, he's ranked about 12th. So clearly there's a disconnect, and I think it's it's like Pauline or somebody that was talking about, like, I haven't seen a guy like Andrew Thomas. And if he is that good, he's going top five. Once-in-a-generation tackles are not making it out of the top five. 
But it'll be interesting to see where Andrew Thomas goes and um, what the consensus is. And, there, and by the way, there's a lot of tackles that are flying up the board. We're about to talk about one next. They're just flying up the board. In fact, some of the biggest movers that I saw are all offensive tackles. So that's another situation like wide receiver where Andrew Thomas, the top front runner, is falling and a lot of guys are just flying up the boards. But Andrew Thomas is an absolute monster and is seen as one of the most athletic tackles people have seen in a very long time. Six foot five, 320 pound, just absolute monster. And again, I don't know how you get a monster that can move as well as he does and doesn't go early, but there's obviously some uh, lack of content there with Andrew Thomas. Next up, and we'll, we'll stop here at number 10 and take a break, but it is Jedrick Wills. Uh, offensive tackle for Alabama. He lines up as a right tackle. His average rank is 12.67. Andrew Thomas is 12.61. So basically, this is like um, 9A and 9B is kind of what this is between Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills. It's a borderline. Or it's, it's basically a tie. He has jumped up nine spots since my last update. By the way, my last update was maybe two weeks ago. So we're talking about like an 11-point swing here between Andrew Thomas dropping two spots and Jedrick Wills jumping nine spots. He's ranked as high as four, which is the same as Andrew Thomas. However, he's as low as 59. So Jedrick Wills is an even bigger swing. In fact, I don't see anybody until we get to uh, 23rd on this list that is has a rank lower than 59th. So a lot of question marks. I know the draft network is high on him. They have him higher than than Andrew Thomas uh, is ranked. Six foot five, three hundred and twenty pounds. Bottom line is Jedrick Wills is an elite pass protector, and that's what people are going to love about him. Don't know if he can play left tackle. Not as athletic as Andrew Thomas, but I think people just see him as an automatic. You plug him in at right tackle, and nobody's going to touch your quarterback. That's what I think Jedrick Wills is expected to be. I haven't watched him personally, but that is the the feeling that I'm getting from him. Very safe pick plug him in at right tackle, don't mess around with him, and just he's going to lock it down. Also, he's a massive human being, so he's probably not going to be that bad at, uh, you know, playing against the run. You know, stick him with the Jaguars or something, where it's just all power. You know, you protect Gardner Minshew. You can just let him play power football. Good to go. It's not a prediction. I'm just trying to pick of a, a team that isn't looking for an athletic tackle to get out in space or anything. Anyways, let's take a break, and then we'll probably just do like five more, because I'm kind of closing in on time, but we'll see. Be right back. At number 11, we've got another guy that is rising. I'm surprised he only went up three spots because his senior bowl performance has got people talking for like a week straight. They will not stop talking about Mr. Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Guy scares me to death. Everybody loves Javon Kinlaw. And look, this is just another example of the NFL is going in a certain direction. Everybody loves guys that fit this profile. They make me nervous. Javon Kinlaw is an elite pass rushing defensive tackle. Six foot five, 315 pounds. I think that's going to bode well for him because my concern is he's not going to do anything for you as a run defender. However, as much as I want to think about and talk about Ed Oliver, Ed Oliver's 6'3", 290. This is a 6'5", 315-pound man. That's not a small guy. So I think there's going to be less concern about that, but I just I just see him as a pure pass rusher. Another comp might be a better version of Jerry Tillery, and Jerry Tillery was garbage against the run. He picked it up as a pass rusher toward the end of the year. I, I just, I have a hard time going top 10 on a Javon Kinlaw that's not going to offer anything in runs. Now, if, I, if I'm wrong about that, then take him because an elite pass rusher on the interior, you got to have it. I just hate to have a guy line up there that just gets blown off the ball when you're trying to stop the run. When you got the 49ers who are just saying, we're just going to run, 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 run. And you've got Kinlaw just getting annihilated and you basically have to pull him and put somebody else in because he can't hold the point. 
makes me nervous. Again, I don't think anybody would agree that that's an exact assessment, but when I'm watching Kinlaw, I'm not seeing a guy. And that's, listen, that's why I like Raekwon, because I just like those kinds of guys. He's not going to be as good as a pass rusher as Javon Kinlaw, but I like a guy that's going to hold the point. He's not going to be moved. I like dominant. NFL doesn't like it as much as that. Scouts, as a result, don't like it as much. I don't care. Those are my guys. And so anyways, Javon Kinlaw is is darling. If, if I could compare him to anybody, it was Ed Oliver from last year. People absolutely love him. I'm not going to be hearing as much for, in Packers circles because we're not picking at 12 this year, so it's not, oh, I hope Javon falls, like people are talking about Ed Oliver. But um, similar kind of a guy. Different build, but similar skill set. Very athletic, uh, very good at getting after the quarterback. But again, my concern is, can you hold the point of attack and and hold up against the run? Especially if we're talking double teams. He's just going to get annihilated. But you don't draft him to take on double teams. So you got to have the right team and the right scheme and the right understanding of what situations to put him in. At number 12, a guy that is sliding a little bit is offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs. He was considered the consensus number two. Basically, it was Andrew Thomas was a top three guy. Then Tristan Wirfs would be the only one who was around 10-ish. And then by the end of the first, you got a couple others. That's no longer the case. He's not even the best right tackle in football anymore with uh, Jedrick Wills passing him up. But uh, he does seem to have a lower floor. Again, Wills was at tw- uh, 59 was his lowest rank. Andrew Thomas, even 29. Nobody has Tristan Wirfs lower than 26. So he is a consensus first round. He's as high as number six overall. 6'5", 322, so another just giant Iowa guy, another giant tackle. All these guys are big, 6'5", 320-plus guy. I think for the most part he's seen as just a right tackle, which is probably why he's not going to be much higher, but very similar to Will. Um, I don't think there's a lot of concern. I think he's a plug-and-play. Put him in at right tackle, and you're set at right tackle for the next 10 years. Just he's good to go. He's Brian Balaga. Like, if you need to lock up that right tackle spot, grab Worfs, you're, you're set. Now, this is the NFL draft, so obviously things never pan out the way we think, but that is the thought process. After that, a guy that's fallen really hard, um, somebody I'm not a big fan of. Haven't watched him since a long time ago, so I don't know if I've even seen any 2019 tape. It was all 2018. But A.J. Epinesa, another Iowa guy, edge rusher. Um, I call him Frankenstein. The the only guy that I can think that he compares to that gives me hope that he's going to be a really good football player is Calais Campbell because he's really big and um, he's really stiff. He's not bending around nothing. He's either coming through you, he's going to stunt inside to you maybe. You know, he's, if, if he's got really good hand technique or something, maybe he can kind of throw you to the side, but he is not going to speed rush anything. And the, the biggest problem with that is as much as bigger guys can handle it, you know, we've seen a lot of big, it's kind of becoming a thing, right? Preston and Zedarius are not speed bend guys. But the, the issue with that is there, there are a litany of pass rush moves and several of them have to do with speed. All right, speed to power only works if you can intimidate the tackle with your speed. You speed to the outside, they overextend, right? They they, you know, jump out to the outside to try to stop you and then as they're kind of extended outward and off balance, you push into their chest and you knock them backward. If you don't have speed and they're not scared of it, you can try speed to power, but they're not going to jump and get off balance. They're just going to kind of hang with you and be like, "Yeah, nice try not falling for that." And so you can't use speed you can't use speed to power. That's that's half of, of all the available possible tricks. And so it makes me personally nervous to go out and get an AJ. And maybe I'm wrong about him. I'm just saying from watching him in 2018, I didn't see anything that got me overly excited. But as far as just being a big, dominant, talented guy, yeah, AJ Epines is that. I mean, if you're looking for a guy that's going to hold the point, unbelievable power, great length, right? Kind of a, kind of a petting thing, right? I want the long arms guys that can control you. 
six foot six, two hundred and eighty pounds. I mean, Mike Pettin is probably drooling thinking about AJ Epinesa. You know, and he's he's got good enough hands. You know, stuff like push pull and all these kinds of things that you can do, the hand to hand combat type stuff. He's good at it, and he and he needs to be because again, he doesn't have you know a lot of bursts. He doesn't have any bend. He's got to be elite in some of this other stuff, and we know he's at least elite in things that he can't control, like length. Elite in power, but he's got to be really good with his hands, and supposedly he he is. And it's easy when you can get your you got these long arms, you can get inside somebody's chest real easily. So he he has the potential to be a very dominant guy. I just think people worry about his limitation, and and that's I think fair enough. But uh, he dropped two spots. His highest rank is eighth. His lowest is twenty eighth. So still a consensus number one pick, but barely a consensus top ten at this point. Next up, we've got our second Alabama wide receiver, Henry Ruggs. This guy is pure raw speed. I think his upside is going to be Tyreek Hill. I mentioned, I think, yesterday about how it's incredible how much cushion guys like Tyreek Hill get because they're terrified of the speed. And that and the cool thing, in my last mock draft, I had the Packers trade way up to get Henry Ruggs. As much as I've been talking about, I don't care about just guys that have straight line speed. If you can get a guy that's a speedster that's just a good wide receiver on top of it, that's a different dynamic. I'm talking about sixth round guys who are just speed and nothing else. I'm, I'm tired of that. But I'm, I'm not opposed to speed. And as we see with guys like Tyreek Hill, it can be a massive asset. But understand, Henry Ruggs is expected to run in the 4-2s. Elite, elite speed. And the other benefit of it is, if you just have Henry Ruggs, you can probably have that taken away. Henry Ruggs becomes extremely valuable when you have a Devontae Adams on the other side. Because if you want to roll your safety help over to that side so that you can press him, but also try to take away the, the, deep, the deep speed stuff, now you're leaving yourself exposed to a Devontae Adams. And that kind of a one-two punch where you have to pick your poison is would just be so incredibly valuable for the Green Bay Packers. Henry Ruggs isn't the only speedster available in this draft, but in terms of elite speed and, and the best speedster, unless you consider Jerry Judy a speedster, but I'm talking really fast, Henry Ruggs is that guy. And, and, and make no mistake, if you take away his 4-2 speed, nobody's going to put Henry Ruggs in the top 20, but he has 4-2 speed. And, of course, there's other stuff you can do with that. I mean, you think about all the wide receiver screens the Packers love to do. This guy with the ball in his hand, think how fast he is. Also, in the open field, he's got the ability to break it from anywhere. I mean, you can have him just coming across the middle of the field, which, by the way, a lot of his his plays were that, and he catches this thing in the middle of the field, and he can just take off. He can turn five yards into 25 yards real fast. He's also can he's got some great leaping ability. He's he's only six foot one ninety, but he can go up and get it. So he can be a weapon in the red zone, which you know the Packers again now they can th- threaten on the ground because Aaron Jones is just automatic in the red zone. We know Devontae can get some some real damage done in the red zone. He didn't because Aaron Jones is just automatic, so we didn't see as many touchdowns. But you get a guy like this who can just go up and get it to be an additional red zone threat. It's just. It gets me excited. I, I know there's concerns, and I have concerns when you see a guy that runs 4-2, because very rarely does that actually pan out. You look at the best wide receivers, so there's a lot of 4-5 guys. You know, Devontae is a 4-5 guy. It's just about being a good wide receiver, but the point is, I think he is. He ha- He's a good wide receiver that happens to run 4-2. If I'm wrong about that, then just pass on him, because just speed doesn't matter. And that's going to be the biggest question for Henry Rugg. Can he be, you know, is he a good enough route runner? Can he learn to do all the nuances? Can he get off a press? Because, you know, again, you, you got to look into this real hard because you're talking about a potential Tyreek Hill. You're talking about a guy that has the potential, if he can reach that level, of being a, a top five wide receiver easily. The question is, is he Tyreek Hill or is he John Ross? That's what you have to figure out with Henry Ruggs. And that you cannot, you probably couldn't get a much more diverse um, range of wide receivers. 
he could be the best wide receiver in football, he could be a complete bust. So you better be absolutely sure you know what you're doing when you draft the guy. Henry Ruggs, by the way, his highest ranked is 11th. His lowest is 25. So very much a mid-range guy is the expectation. Some potentially does slide, though. He's not He's not out of the range of the Green Bay Packers, which, by the way, I should mention, of the guys I've listed so far, apparently Andrew Thomas is in range. I doubt it. Jedrick Wills clearly in range, which would be a, a legitimate pick. Probably not going to make it, but, again, his lowest is 59. Javon Kinlaw even is 27, 100%. The Packers should consider that if he falls, as much as I'm not even a big fan and we need to work on stopping the run. It's just one of those things. How do you say no? Tristan Wirfs at 26 and falling potential that he's there. A.J. Epinesa, I would really rather we don't, even though he fits, because come on now, how many do we need? But Henry Ruggs at 25, there's some potential, especially with all these different wide receivers. A lot of it is just scheme. A lot of, you know, if, if, if they're looking at it and they're saying, look, Henry Ruggs could be the guy, but LaVisca Chenault feels safer. Let's go with that. Some of these guys, they might just not need, you know, maybe we, we've got speed. We just need a, a legit, solid, you know, line up and win kind of guy. Let's get T. Higgins or something. I don't know. But anyways, the last guy I want to talk about, number 15 overall, is quarterback Justin Herbert. Herbert has gone up one spot. He's been pretty consistent. He was a top 10 guy for a while. He's fallen out of there, and he's kind of pretty consistently just hanging out around the 15 range. His highest rank is fourth. His lowest is 33rd. He's going to go in the first round. It's a question of where. In fact, he'll probably go early just because of the way the quarterbacks are lined up. Um, I'm expecting Joe Burrow to go one. I think Tua's going to probably go top five. Maybe there needs to be a trade or whatever, but with Miami sitting where they're sitting, I don't think he falls past Miami. I think either they trade up to get him or they wait to get him, or somebody trades in front of him and gets him. Either way, you're going to have a... uh, I mean, you could have... If if somebody trades up in front of Miami to get Tua, you might have Justin Herbert go to Miami. But either way, I don't think he makes it out of the top ten. But Justin Herbert, very, very big. He's a dual-threat guy. One of the lesser-known things or appreciated things about Justin Herbert is his ability to take off. He's one of those long-striding guys that he doesn't, you know, his legs aren't moving fast, so it doesn't seem like he's going very fast, but you see him just fly past people. So really big, really big arm. The biggest thing with Justin Herbert is the inconsistencies. I remember when I watched Justin Herbert, I said, I want him over Tua, no question. And I didn't understand. I didn't understand it. I watched one game with Tua, one game with Herbert, and I'm like, dude, this Herbert guy is a freak. And then there's some people talking about inconsistencies, and I'm like, what are you talking I watched a, a second game, and it was like, this guy's not even that good. So it really depends what game you watch, and that's true of everybody, but I think more so with Justin Herbert is the inconsistency factor. At his best, Justin Herbert has the potential to be unbelievable, especially since he fits that. Everybody likes the big, tall guys. Everybody likes speed. He, he has everything, the big arm, big body, speed, accuracy. All the stuff that you want in a quarterback, he's got all of it. But there's just a lot of question marks. And there's also questions about leadership. He's supposedly a very quiet, reserved kind of guy. And, you know, I mean, some teams want you to be able to step up and be a vocal leader. I think that actually played to the advantage of Baker Mayfield as much as it was seen as a negative. I think some teams look at that and say, listen, I want a guy that's going to step up and be a great... I mean, I liked it. I didn't think he did anything that was... Although he did have an... He ran from the cops or something. That, that stuff's dumb. And that's the risk, right? On one of the end of the spectrum, you get these kind of wild, loud, rah-rah kind of guys, but you take that risk of maybe be taking it too far sometimes. On the other hand, you got super reserved, but, you know, it's sometimes hard to play for guys like that. And then you can get wide receivers that are out of control because they just kind of take over. They start running their mouths about how it should be and this is what it should be and start going after the quarterback. You aren't, you know, you got to be able to step up and, and speak your mind. You got to be in control of stuff. So it might seem like a minor thing, but there could be teams that say, listen, I, I just, I can't. I can't work with that. I mean, if you're on the fence, if you think he's going to be this franchise-changing talent, you don't care that he's quiet. But if you're kind of on the fence, 
it might just push you over the edge to where it's like, look, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in them. Especially when we're talking about big game situation. All right, game is on the line. Morale is low. You want a quarterback that's going to be pacing up and down the sideline, saying, "We got this." All right? You want that Philip Rivers? You know, his mouth never stops flapping, talking smack, and everything. You want that guy? You know, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But six foot six, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds. Uh, Marino comped him to Ryan Tannehill. So, anyways, we'll leave it at the top 15. I got to get going. We'll do more probably on a different day because I don't want to do too many days in a row. But uh, again, that is the intro. And if you'd like to see the full list, you can see it for as little as a dollar over at patreon.com slash pack underscore daddy. Or if you just Google Patreon Pack Daddy, which I just did, it is the top option. So, I'm sure if you want it, you can find it. Either way, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.